Welcome. Here at The Bridge Church, we exist to help you connect to God, grow with family, and serve our city. We hope today's message will allow you to grow deeper in your connection to God. Enjoy the message. Praise God. We are uh, in a series on love, walking through the book of 1 Corinthians, and uh, I'm going to talk about love at the very end of this message, but at the beginning of this message, I kind of want to unpack a bigger idea. I wonder if you've ever heard the phrase, if a tree falls in the forest, and if no one's around to hear it, does it make a sound? It was said years ago, this phrase that if something happens and no one saw it, did it really happen? Well, we kind of use that language today, right? If it didn't happen on Facebook, it didn't happen, praise the Lord, right? So we use this imagery of if you don't capture it, it's not real, right? And so our idea then is what if there in life is the seen and the unseen, right? The things that everyone sees and then there's things that no one sees. And one of the most unfortunate things for us to believe is that when we know that God is omniscient, right, that God sees all things, one of the traps that we can fall into is that God seeing all things means that God is some boogeyman or God is a cop. He's, an, he's a detective seeing all our faults. Well, some of that would be true that God knows all our failures and he knows our mistakes and still loves us. But that not only means if God knows everything and he sees everything, then there is a reality to the fact that there is going to come a time in our lives when we're doing great things and no one notices it. I mean, have you ever truly felt in your life, a time in your life, where you felt underappreciated? Where no one was noticing the efforts that you were putting in on a daily basis? I mean, if you ever worked a job and the boss never acknowledged the work that you were putting in, And in some ways, there could be a time when you work a job and you feel underpaid, although you're overperforming. And when you are in a job that way, you begin to ask yourself, should I stay here? But if you're a mom at home with kids every day, or if you're alone as a single person, wondering if you're being noticed, Sometimes the pervasive question that runs in our hearts is, is it worth it? I mean, is anybody going to see all that I'm doing? Is anyone going to notice the effort and the energy that I'm putting in? Is my labor in vain? And the good news tonight is that the Bible calls God the Father who sees in secret. The God that notices the unnoticed. The God that appreciates the unappreciated. The God that knows all things, knows our labor. It's very important. In the context of the text we're looking at today, there was a controversy in the church. Controversy was that, and it's much, we are a four-year-old church plant. This church was about three years old. And in three years, Paul the apostle had actually started the church. He was the church planter. But after three years, Paul left, and another guy came in, and his name was Apollos. And when Apollos came in after Paul, people liked the way that Apollos preached more than Paul. 
And so this is going to shock you, but there were actually factions and divisions in the church. I know that blows your mind. But people started saying, I like him over him, and they began to create camps and teams and division over who they thought was more eloquent and who they thought was more intelligent. And Paul, throughout the beginning of this book, will break down this idea that Paul and Apollos aren't in competition with one another. What he'll say, essentially, is that they're both servants unto the Lord. But something Paul will say in this text will speak to the reality of our labor, the reality of how we serve God and how we give to him when no one sees or when we presume no one notices. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 5, if you have your Bible, go to it. If you have an app, click on it, or you can look up on the screen. Paul then asks a question. What then is Apollos? Who is this guy anyway? But the good thing is, Paul asks this of himself. He says, what is Paul? Who am I? They are servants through whom you believed. And as each has the role the Lord has given. So Paul is saying, Apollos and I are not in a competition. We're on the same team. We just have different roles. And my role was to start this church. His role was to communicate after me. But we aren't intended to be creating factions or divisions. He says, I planted. This is where we get the concept of church planter from. I planted. Apollos watered. But God gave the growth. It was God the one that was doing everything amongst us, seeing people change lives. It was God that did it. And then he says, so neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who gives the growth. Now, he who plants and he who waters are one. And each, now listen to what he says, each will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Now, I think one of the things... <laughs> You know, when you start a church from scratch, it's very difficult. As I came here several years ago and started and was walking up and down the street, meeting people in coffee shops, and, you know, I, I, was, I almost felt like I was picking up people. Like, I was asking them out on the day, like, hey, you got a church? You know what I'm saying? So it was just crazy. You know, you're trying to meet people all the time and build a church up, and it's incredible amounts of labor. And if I were to leave now... We're at two services, and, and someone were starting to get the credit for the work that I did. I think I'd be a little jelly. You know what I'm saying? I would feel it in my heart. And what he says is, what Apollos is doing is amazing. He's eloquent. He's intelligent. And people are drawn to his communication. And God is going to reward him for his study, preparation, and insight. But in addition to that, God will also reward me for my labor. Look what he says. Each one will get according to his own labor, meaning God will reward us distinctively, each one of us. And what is very important to point out, church, is that what the text says is God will reward us for our own 
labor, not the fruit of our labor. God will reward us for the faith, the work, the energy, the diligence, the preparation. But God will not always, or a better way to put it is, we cannot presume that just because we see a lot of results from a person means that God was working through a person. David, great man of God, but when they were looking for a king, he was the last one they looked for. He was actually the one out tending the stalls with the sheep. And in 1 Samuel, we don't have it up on the screen, but in 1 Samuel, it, we were wondering, why did they overlook David? I mean, he's so faithful. He was young, but why overlook him? Well, they were looking for someone like Saul, big, handsome, strong, virile. And God would say in 1 Samuel, you see, this is what men do. Men look on the outside, but God looks at the heart. And we can't help it. That's what we do. We, we look at resumes. We look at dress. We look at the way someone communicates, the way someone leads, and we always look for results. You know, when we had 30 people, I didn't get invited to conferences. Praise God. I love God just as much four years ago. You know what I'm saying? But results matter in our space, especially in New York City. Results. But God is looking not just at results. Praise God. God is in the fruit. But God is looking at our faith. He's looking at the diligence that we have when no one else is around. And so, church, know this. People can see all the fruit, but God can see all your faith. All of it. The nights when no one is around. The energy that no one sees. The labor that goes unappreciated, God sees it all. And he cares for us, and he cares for all of our labor. Paul will go on to say in 1 Corinthians 10, he says, I have laid a foundation. Again, remember the context. He's talking about planting a church. I have laid a foundation as a skilled master builder. Is that arrogant? It feels arrogant, but you know what I'm saying? I'm a skilled master builder. You know what I'm saying? When you feel good about yourself. And another builds on it, but each one is to be careful how he builds on it, for no one can lay a foundation than that has been laid down. The foundation is Jesus Christ. So what Paul is saying here is he's looking at life and church, building a church, as like building a building. And when you build a building, the first thing that it takes is ground work and preparation. Once you prepare the ground, then you can lay a foundation. And then after you lay the foundation, you can build the framing and then all of the other stuff can go into creating a house. Well, he says the foundation of a church is Jesus. If Jesus is not at the center of what a church's activity is, then it's not a church. It's the foundation. But this is also true of life, that as a believer in Jesus Christ, the foundation of our work and our efforts is Jesus. 
He's the foundation of our lives. And he is our firm foundation. And he's why we believe what we believe. And he should be our why. Why we do what we do. So this is the foundation. But he says, outside of that foundation, yes, I believe in Jesus, that's the foundation. But then you start building a life, like he's building a church and more people are coming and you're starting to see results and you're starting to do more labor. And what Paul will say is, look there in verse 10, but each one is to be careful. Be careful how you build. Be careful how you're building the church. And as we apply this to life, be careful how you're leading your life. Because to have the foundation of Jesus also means that we start living by faith. Jesus, in Matthew, will talk about two houses being built. One on the sand and the other is on a strong foundation, a rock. And he says, you know, when you're walking around looking at these houses, they look the same. I mean, they're both kind of beachfront houses. They both look nice and both these people look like their lives are going great, but something happened. It says the waves came, the rain pounded, the wind started coming. And once the waves and the wind came, crashed against the house, once it crashed against the house, the house that was built on the sand went away. But the house that was built on the firm foundation, the rock, it stayed. It was able to withstand the rain, withstand the tremors. What Jesus is saying here, and what he says earlier in Matthew, is the person that puts their trust in Jesus, that's the one with a firm foundation. In fact, he says, hears my words and does them. So essentially, the foundation is the person who actually listens to the words of Jesus and Jesus' words has the last word on our decisions. Jesus' words has the last words on how we live our lives. Jesus' words, we hear them and obey them. That's the foundation of our life. That's our big why. Our, our minds are filled with so many words. We got grandma's words, grandma's great sayings. I'm sure she said something wonderful to you. And we've got stuff we hear in songs. And I know people that literally live their lives based upon things they hear in songs. Praise God, music is great. Words are poetry, incredible. But whose words have the last word? Whose words actually force me to think, again, well, God, the Bible says this, so I need to, <laughs> need to rethink that. Or it's, well, everybody's saying this. Or, you know, I've noticed that people are beginning to, I was reading on my thread that everybody's, whose words have the last word for your relationships, particularly for your finances? Jesus says you can't serve two masters. You either serve God or money, particularly in New York City. You're trying to make rent, hallelujah, right? 
whose words have the last word? That's the foundation. And I'm not saying your foundation is Jesus. Excuse me. I'm just saying whoever has that last word, that is your true foundation. So then he says, beyond that, the foundation of your life, once you believe in Jesus, the next stage is to build upon that life. And he says, you got to be careful. Now, what the Bible is saying here is based upon Hebrews 9 and 27. And just as it is appointed for people to die once, and after this, the judgment. Love how the verse puts it there. Everybody's got an appointment with Jesus. Everybody. Your, your name is in an appointment book. Because you are going to die. And the, st- the stats are fantastic in this area. 100%. And that may not bother you. Or it may, it may keep you up at night. This week... You know, thank you, many of you praying for my father-in-law who had a heart attack and then he went into cardiac arrest. I had never, I had never in my life seen someone so close to me be, be so close to death in, in that way. You know, people that were older, but he's like in his late 50s. And I walked into the room after the code blue and they get the defibrillator, the thing that just brings, and the brother got brought back to life. And I'm sitting there like looking at him like, you missed your appointment, praise God. God has it set up for us all, so we know that. We know that dying happens, praise God. But then the next stage is after we die, then comes the judgment. Now, to be clear, in terms of our faith foundation, our eternal destination is the consequences of what we believe on earth. That if you don't believe in Jesus, then your name is not in the Lamb's book of life. But our eternal compensation is the consequence of how we behave on earth. What that essentially means then is believing in Jesus for your sin, believing in Christ for your eternity is your firm foundation, your assurance once you die. But then the Bible says we will be judged for how we lived our lives. So in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, it says, If anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become obvious, for the day will disclose it, because it will be revealed by Fire, the fire will test the quality of each one's work. If anyone's work that he has built survives, he will receive a reward. This imagery of fire is often used in the Bible, but it's just this idea of testing. God will test our work. Now, in the context here, what Paul is saying is the work that Paul, the work that I did. And the work that Apollos did, 
one of them may draw more people, but both of them will be evaluated by the eyes of our Lord. And once your work is evaluated, God will compensate you for the work that you did. And what he basically says is in this compensation of our work, what will be evaluated is costly labor or cheap labor. He uses this imagery of costly labor. As as the eyes of the Lord evaluate our work, this costly labor is gold and silver and costly stones. But that cheap labor would be wood, hay, or straw. And this idea is that all of those types of materials get burnt up by fire, meaning that there will be some who did work on earth and God will evaluate it and say, this work will not have an effect in heaven, meaning you will not be compensated. Another way to put it is you get no credit. (laughs) You ever done something and not get credit for it? Praise the Lord. Now, we're not talking about you being saved or unsaved. That's a different conversation. That's about your foundation. We're talking about how you build your life and how you do work, and that work will be evaluated by God. And in his evaluation, there will be work that literally gets burnt up, meaning it will not have any existence in heaven. But what he says is there is work, gold, silver, precious stones, or costly stones, that will last for eternity, Last for eternity. Why is this such an important lesson for us? Why is this so needed for our hearts and so helpful for us to endure? <laughs> I, um, we, uh, when I was pastoring a church in Raleigh, North Carolina, I remember we did a, uh, a book bag drive. During this book bag drive, we, you know, we got, we had a bouncy house and We got the kids' backpacks, and we painted the kids' nails, and we cut the kids' hair. It was amazing. It was great. We did it every year. We call it Rock the Block. We we would actually pull up into this uh, housing project. We would do it. It was amazing. In the third year, we got the biggest bouncy house we could find. We had rappers come. We had a dude that rips phone books, one of those power team dudes come. We had everything for the kids, right? And, mid, and then, you know, we looked at the weather, and it's horrible when you do an event and you see the weather, but the event's happening. And so now it's just Jesus. You ain't got no, there's nothing you can do. It's you and God, and it's like, Lord, take away the rain. Elijah was a man just like us. He asked that it didn't rain. Please don't make it rain, right? So I'm be- when I say I'm begging, I'm begging God. Like, we put all this stuff together. Please take away the rain, Lord. So... The music performance happens about an hour in, and you know, you see the clouds, and you're just like, oh no, no, no. So I'm praying, I'm literally praying. I'm like, no, Lord. And so now, you know, I'm leading, so you gotta be confident, you know what I'm saying? I'm just like, you know what, God's gonna do it. I've been, I've been seeking God's face, and the cloud is there, but God, he's gonna hold back the rain. Man, look, it rained like cats and dogs. I mean, I'm talking monsoon. I'm talking a flood. I'm talking everything's wet. I'm talking like your, your shirt is on your chest. And you just got to keep doing it. It's horrible out, 
right? So we're trying to get more. We're telling people to come out of their apartment complex. People are going back in because it's horrible outside. But I'm like, you know what, Lord, we're just going to keep going. So I'm up there with a microphone, right? True story. I'm like, Lord, I trust you to just that you're going to do a work and you're going to take away the rain. And while I'm talking, you hear, boom, and it just keeps coming down more. And I was just like, because God, oh, Jesus, amen. So um, we're going to take everything in. We're going to take everything in, right? And, of course, I felt like an absolute failure. Why? Because I was looking only at the results. But God wanted it to rain that day. God wanted it to be a monsoon that day, apparently. And when you go through trials, attempting to do a work for the Lord, and you don't see the results that you want to see, it tests your why. Why was I doing it in the first place? Was I doing it for a temporal reward, the applause of men, the pats on the back, and those things are great. We need to appreciate each other more, praise God. We need to say please and thank you. All that is true. But no one can appreciate you enough. No one can see everything you do. No one sees all the background work you've taken to accomplish something great for God. And so this is good news because it tells us when we are working diligently for God. God is not asleep. He is very aware of all of our efforts. Now, I've taught this for many years. Whenever I teach this, everybody wants the first question. I'll be like, okay, any questions? Everybody's like, how do I get that gold? I want to get that gold. That, how can I be that gold person? You know, because I want to go to heaven. I want to come through dripping. I want to have all the... I want to just be, I want all that time, I want costly stones, silver. How do I be that person, right? How can I be the type of person that God rewards? Well, one of the first things that we have to keep in mind is Hebrews 11 and 5. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. So absolutely, you have to have the firm foundation of your faith. Since the one who draws near to him must believe that he exists. So many of us, when we hear that verse, we only think about that first part. We got to believe that God exists. We got to have faith. But then he says, and that he rewards those who seek him. So part of having a firm foundation, yes, it's a God, I believe you, I trust you, I know you're real, I know you're good. But the other side is I know God sees and God compensates. That God sees the worth of my work. God sees the worth of my work. He sees my trust. He sees and he knows the worth of my work. God knows the worth of my work. Now, I'm not going to get too much into the wood, hay, and stubble, but I can tell you this. If you want to be the type of person that God's reward, it's knowing that God sees the worth of your work. But if you want to be the type of person that does work on earth and it gets burnt up, it's when you find your worth in the work. 
when you have to have a badge of approval by humans on everything you do. When you always need the applause. When your identity is attached to your gifting and your talents, you're finding your worth in the work. And our gifting, our talent, and our skill are merely tools for God to use, not names like an identity. So our worth is not in the work, but our work work has worth. We must know that compensation is limited on earth, but will be fully expressed in heaven, fully expressed. God will see everything. And so as we get ready to just have another time of worship here, it is worth noting several things to be the type of person that we can know that God will be pleased, that God will see the work that we do. One of the things that Jesus talks about in Matthew chapter six is our private worship. But when you pray, go into your private room, shut your door, pray to your father who is in secret and your father who sees in secret will reward you. Part of beginning to have this life that God is pleased by is having a private life of worship with God. I love how he says here, not just go to your room, shut the door, make it so that no one knows. And he was contrasting people who pray all in the open. They need that attention. But it's having that secret relationship with God, that secret prayer life, that deep intimacy with God. He says, shut your door. This is public worship, but private worship. Do you sing with such fervor alone? Do you read his word? My, my messages hopefully can be illustrations and all this other stuff to be able to tell you about who God is. But just like the book is always better than the movie, the text is always better than the sermons. You have to know the Bible for yourself and worship and sing to God and build that intimacy with God. That's where it all begins. And you do not, as I said last week, you do not have to be a theologian. You do not have to be a scholar. I don't know who told you that. You don't have to quote a bunch of verses. You just have to say, God, change me. I want to know you more. Open up that book. Open up that app and begin to create a habit of devotion privately. The other thing that Paul will say in Colossians chapter 3, whatever you do, love it, whatever you do, do it from the heart as something done for the Lord and not for people. Look what he says in verse 24, knowing, 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 knowing that you will receive a reward of an inheritance from the Lord. You serve the Lord Christ. And this was in the context of masters and slaves. And in the Bible, the way that masters and slaves worked is essentially a job with a boss and someone serving that boss. So essentially what he's saying is know that your boss is not your boss. But when you work, you are working from the Lord. And it does not matter where you work. Isn't that the beautiful thing? It does not matter where you work. Wherever you work, you work for the same person. You work for the Lord. So he says, do your work as unto the Lord from your heart, not cheapening your day, 
not knowing that you're on company's time, and so it's like, this is, this is social media hour, right? Time to watch, look at a bunch of memes while no one's watching. Not for eye service, just for your boss, because that means I'm working for my boss, and I'm only working with more effort when they come around. If that's the case, then I'm only putting energy and effort in when I have a human encouraging me. But what if I thought about God? And what if his presence and his power was the one that I thought oversaw what I did? But then he says, persecution. Blessed are you when people hate you. And listen to what he says, when they exclude you, insult you, and slander your name as evil because of the Son of Man. Rejoice in that day and leap for joy. This is deep. On the day they slander you, you'd be like, mm, this is a good day. I'm not there yet in my faith. Take note. Take note, he says, your reward. Look what he says. Take note. So on that day in your journal, take note. On the very moment you're feeling slandered and excluded and insulted, take note. Because on that day, he says, remind yourself your reward is great in heaven, for this is the way that their ancestors used to treat the prophets. When you want to live a godly life and you make your choices for purity, they might exclude you. When you speak honestly about your faith, people may insult you. When you have good intentions for God, but they get misconstrued by people, people may slander you. But he says, if they exclude you, insult you, or slander you, take note. You have a reward in heaven. Jesus says in Matthew 6, but when you give to the poor, don't, I love this, Jesus says, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing so that your giving may be in secret and that your father who sees in secret will reward you. And he was speaking of Pharisees who would take selfies and give dollars out and be like, er, yeah, I'm giving to the poor. You know what I'm saying? People who only thought that they get credit when something is captured. And what he's saying is, even when we see those who are hurting and those who are broken, this is not saying essentially you never need to get credit, but what it's saying is, don't let credit by men be your foundation or your motivation. Rather, know it's from the Lord. Well, where does love fit into all this? Paul would say in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 3, if I give all my possessions and if I give over my body in order to boast and do not have love, I gain love. Nothing. I gain nothing. Paul says, if you are a martyr (laughs) and you are a person that gives all your money away, you are an incredible benefactor, you are very philanthropic, and yet you were not loving, he says, in heaven you will gain nothing. You might have gotten all the kudos and credit on earth, but as far as I'm concerned, you gain nothing. Then, church, What is the life God's rewards? It is the life of a loving person, a person who is patient and kind, 
A person who knows that I am in love with God. The Bible says, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. I'm doing this out of the love of God and for the love of people. And when you're in love with God, you can love people more. But it is not so that people will give you your reward. It is so that God would be glorified. And so love, God is looking at our love. And as I close, Hebrews 4 and 12 says it this way. The word of God is living and effective or active, sharper than any double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separation of soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It is able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. Don't wait for heaven to have your work Reflected on and evaluated. Reflect on your work now. Let the word of God get into your very motive and agenda and get underneath what everyone sees. Reflect on your work. And once you finish reflecting on what you've been doing for God, repent and turn from anything that's of the flesh. When you've noticed that you did, maybe you were on Connect Team and you were here, but your attitude was just raw. Maybe you're giving finances to the church or even to someone, but you're not a cheerful giver. You do it with a mean spirit. Maybe there are people in your life who you have spent time with And you have given open love, but you are deeply bitter. Deeply bitter. When I um, when I played football, played in the Carrier Dome, my senior year for a high school championship, and my. Junior year, we went to a bowl game, and then my senior year, we won the state championship. And in the state championship game, in the Carrier Dome, I I was the captain of the team, supposedly one of the better players on the team, and they gave out the MVP. And I remember I had a great game, that game. And while the game was ending, they began to announce all the awards. And they said, most valuable player. And, you know, I balled out, you know what I'm saying? So I did my thing. So I actually started taking a step towards the award person. So I started to walk towards him, and he said, Shane McCutcheon. And I, I, I promise you, I took a step, and I was like, ah, yeah, you, 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 just, oh, my gosh. How you get it? Oh, no, praise God. You know what I'm saying? It just went through. I had to go through it. And then later that week, my coach invited me over for dinner. And we were just hanging out. And he says, hey, you want to watch the game? And I was like, yeah, let's watch the game. And we started, he rewound the tape and he watched the game. He goes, hey, I saw that. That was good. Ooh, James. I I like the way that you blocked that guy and then you went out. That was great. That was good. And throughout the next 
hour and a half, my coach gave me my reward. He noticed everything. You see, because in the game, they could only give me a piece of metal. But at that dinner, I was affirmed. I was told of everything I did. And one day you'll be at a dinner with your Savior. And he's going to notice everything. Wait on the Lord. Wait for your reward. And know, and know that God is the Father who sees in secret. Jesus, we love you. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. We worship you, God. We trust you, Lord. We trust you. And we know, and we know that what we've done on this life, in this life, oh God, you will bless. Let all of our efforts, God, be to you. We give glory to you, God. We give glory to you, God. We give glory to you. Notice our work. See our work. And Lord, I pray that we would be a loving people. In Jesus' name. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. We'd love to hear how God used this sermon to speak to you. Please take a minute to email us your story. Our email address is info at bridgechurchnyc.com. And you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by using at bridgechurchnyc or visit our website, bridgechurchnyc.com. Thanks again for listening to this week's message.